Baptism and following after Jesus and faithfulness is contagious. And what I want to remind you before we go any further in God's message for God's people this morning is that there are some of you who God has divinely orchestrated your presence here that you may see that demonstration of obedience this morning. And when given the opportunity in just a few moments, he desires you to follow through. He desires you to step out in faith and trust him in whatever that next step of obedience might look like. For some, it might be salvation. For some of you, it might be public profession to come forward for baptism or or church membership. For others, it may just be stepping out and saying, I need another brother or sister to pray for this thing going on in my life because I recognize we're called to do this together in community with one another. I love how contagious obedient faith is and how it rubs off on one another. Guys, that last song we sang, it comes directly from the 23rd Psalm. And it's that reminder that as we're walking through life, trying to be faithful with what God's called us to, we are constantly in this challenging tension of living in the world, the physical realm, the temporal, sinful realm, while also trying to remain faithfully not of the world. And just like Leo said so well, when we're following after the Lord, when he truly is our shepherd and our portion, we lack nothing. And it's when he truly is our shepherd and we trust him as the good shepherd We can faithfully, fully walk in the world while not being of the substance of this world. And if you were with us last week, as we continued in our Mark series, the Gospel of Mark, we looked at Mark 14, 32 to 42. Hang with me. I'll let you know exactly where we're going. You're like, they're ready to open the Bible, which I love. Hang in there. Don't put your Bibles away. What we saw last week was this snapshot of Jesus' earthly life, his, his ministry where unlike ever before up to that point on earth, he was pressed more severely than ever before, trying to navigate faithfully according to God the Father's will, being in the world while not being of it. Do you remember there from verses 32 to 42? He came, he prayed to God the Father. There we have the Lord's Prayer, what it was described there in Mark 14 where he expressed his desires, his feelings before God the Father. He said, if there's any other way, could you provide it in the world? These are my feelings, these are my desires, but even so, I want to be aligned with your will and your desires. I don't want to be of this world. And there we see a glimpse, most vulnerable, most excruciating, second only to the cross, where Jesus as fully God, supernatural, not of this world, is trying to keep on in his perfectness being in the world as well, fully man in the physical realm. And so this morning, I am just burdened to camp here a little longer, especially with what's taking place over the last seven days. We just 
examine the world around us on the global front, on the home fronts. I think it would do us a lot of benefits drawing near to the Lord and seeing not just a snapshot of that prayer that Mark 14 provides, but let's go to John 17. It's there we see the full view of the Lord's prayer there in Gethsemane. And this truly is the Lord's Prayer. This is not Matthew 6. We, we so often refer to the Lord's Prayer as our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. There in Matthew 6, that's when the disciples said, Jesus, if we're to pray a certain way, how should it be? Will you teach us how we're to pray? And then he said, pray like this. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. That's the model, a template of a prayer that a follower of Jesus should follow after our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As followers of Jesus, we come to a place of prayer affirming who he is as almighty, holy God. You are good. You are perfect. You are loving. And then you go through those different things modeled in the Lord's Prayer, and that's how we ought to pray. But here in John 17, this is the true Lord's Prayer. He's praying for 26 verses. Don't complain about me praying so long. This is 26 verses worth. We're not going to read every verse, but I want to give you the heart of the matter here. The heart of Jesus' prayer here in John 17 is this. That God will be glorified while we are in the world, but not of the world. I appreciate you looking at me and giving attention, but when I repeat this the next two times, I want to encourage you to type it in your phone. Write this down. The heart of Jesus' prayer there in Gethsemane, hours before he goes to the cross, he is asking God the Father to supernaturally impart this in the disciples that are there in Gethsemane, but for every believer who will come in all of history in the future. That God will be glorified while we are in the world, but not of it. God's first priority for you as a believer is that in your following of him, you will glorify God the Father while in the world, the physical, temporal, sinful realm, while also not being of the world. Because ever since we professed faith on resurrected Jesus, we are no longer of this world. We have been signed and sealed by the Holy Spirit for something eternal and so much better than we could ever imagine. See, the first five verses, you can read through that or go through that this week. It's all about Jesus, even as God the Son. He says, God the Father, the time is coming. I want you to be glorified. It's all about your glory. Even Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, in whom the fullness of deity dwells, he is also God himself. His purpose is to take all renown, take all attention, and direct it immediately to glorify and exalt God the Father. So Jesus, in his following of the Father, is to bring glory to the Father. And then we look at the rest of the verses, 6 to 26, and it's all about this understanding that our call to glorify God the Father is always in this context of being in the world but not of the world. There's one more thing that I think we tragically miss. 
And that's where I especially find ourselves burdened this morning. See, we, we get one leg of the stool that we're so familiar with. We're, we're in the world, obviously. I mean, we were reminded we're in the world just yesterday, um, saying goodbye to a, a friend, uh, a member of our church who's gone to be with the Lord. We, we realize being in this world has losses and tragedies and disease and brokenness and heartache. We're often also so familiar with we're called to be not of the world. We're, we're of something better. We're citizens of heaven. But what we forget, or some of us, if we're completely honest, which is what we always ask of ourselves to be in the light of the gospel because that's where God can do something with us. We, we know what it means to be in the world and not of the world, and we think that's the prayer. You go to the book of James, or you, or you go th- back through the prayer here in John 17, and we think Jesus prayed, God, as they're in the world, would you help them not be of the world? And then out of that position, we then model our prayer life. Father, as we're in the world, would you help us by the power of resurrected Jesus, by the indwelling of the Spirit, help us not be of the world? That's not the prayer. And I think that's why we so tragically misapply it most often as well. Look in verse 15 of chapter 17 in the book of John. I do not pray, this is Jesus talking to God the Father, I do not pray that you, God the Father, should take them out of the world. So Jesus is specifically asking God the Father, he's making it clear, Father, my disciples who are here, I do not desire that you withdraw them out of this world. And we continue. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That's a reality we're familiar with. We're in the world, but not of the world. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me, Into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone. Verse 20, this is where Jesus, in the most pressing of occasions, second only to the cross itself, is specifically mindful of every one of you here today who are professed believers, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Praise that we would be one with him. Praise that as we're in this world, not that we'd just not be of it, but the specific prayer is the opposite of verse 15. Jesus said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So then what is Jesus' prayer? Jesus' prayer is that we would allow him to send us as light into the world. Our following of Jesus will always be in the world, but not of the world, but the specific request of Jesus himself, the specific call for every professed believer is that while we're in the world and not of the world, is that we would be mindful and sensitive and open to seeking out the request that Jesus would send us as light into the world. 
Have you ever struggled, though, with this tension of in the world and not of the world, where rather than going into the world, you find yourself retreating and withdrawing from areas of this world more often than allowing God to send you into it? It's not easy. It's not black and white. Sin is sticky. Sin is a stinking mess. In the world, not of the world. Some of us, in trying to balance that so perfectly in a God-honoring way, we do withdraw from some things of this world. And some of those things do honor God. But then there's also other followers in the world and of the world who are trying to balance things and tensions in the weight of this world and make sense of things, and they're pressing into it even more out of their convictions of being in the world and of the world and allowing Jesus to send them as lights into the world. And if Jesus' prayer in the garden was that we as followers might glorify the Father while in the world and not of the world, but pressing into the world. We've got to take a breath and we've got to give room for every one of us to seek the Lord, glorify the Father, and do it on a united front. I think this Sunday, right now, we're three weeks away from the 20th anniversary of 9-11. 20 years ago, I was sitting in U.S. history class in 11th grade. Man, I am getting older. And then we think about the 20th anniversary coming up, and we think that means also there's been two decades worth of immeasurable sacrifice. Physical, spiritual, mental, financial, political. And we don't know how to make sense of that. Thank God I'm in the world, not of the world. But what I see just deteriorating over these last seven days is so heavy. It's so pressing. How do I walk well in following Jesus in the world, not of the world, while these things are unfolding around me on a global scale? We think of the humanitarian rights of just people not having a, a right to a dignity of life in the Middle East. We think of the the Christian pursuits and advancing the faith of missionaries and those who are working over there. We think of those who we know personally, people in this room who were physically there, giving up time and resources they'll never get back. Coming home, not with all the same buddies they went with. And how burdensome, how heavy it is. Seeing that unfold around us. Asking, how do I remain in the world and not of it and do it well for the glory of God the Father? And then I think of how burdened it is right here on our home front. And as a parent, some of us might say it's nearly equal, the burden. Here we are the first Sunday of the school year where KDIC Public Schools opened up. 
throughout the greater Katy area. And truly, unlike ever before, there is this burden, this stress, this tension of the way the world is going. How do I remain in the world as a mom or dad, not of the world? And what do I do with my children in these schools? And some decide to completely withdraw the kids out of public school. Some decide to steep the kids in public school. What sense do we make of that? Where do we remain giving margin for conversation and convictions? If it's just the two legs of a stool of in the world and not of the world, that stool's never going to hold up in our calling to glorify the Father while in the world and of the world. The question we always must ask ourselves as believers is, while I'm in the world and not of the world, am I allowing Jesus to send me into the world as a light? And you can do that well in the public school system. You can do that well in the whole homeschool system. But the burden I feel as a parent and a pastor with kids in public school, two of my brothers do homeschool, me and another brother, we do public school. You could do both well and, and have integrity and being sent out as lights into the world based on Jesus' prayer. The heaviness of my burden, however, and yes, it is, up there with the burden I see as a result of what's unfolding in Afghanistan. Is that there are believers who don't give room for the opportunity of public school or homeschool both being okay, but one chooses one side or the other. And rather than being saturated and motivated by grace, we suggest that if someone goes to homeschool, they must love their kids more. If someone goes to public school, they must love their Jesus more. It's not black and white. But what happens when we lob these grenades from one group or another, one click or another, is that just as all the work and pursuits of the Middle East deteriorate around us, the testimony of the local bride crumbles beneath us. And then we squander any opportunity to be sent out as lights into the world. We do public school, and it's a mess. Some of y'all do homeschool, and it's a mess. But we are together in the world and not of it. Called to say, God in whatever context I'm convicted to be in, would you help me allow you to send me as light into the world? And so if you're in public school and you're not being a light pushing back the darkness, you're sinning and you're being disobedient. If you're in homeschool and you've got it all figured out, but you're not creating opportunities, you're not actively seeking opportunities to engage and push back the darkness as a light, you are sinning and being disobedient. Jesus' desire in Gethsemane, the most pressing 
experience second to only the cross was that as believers, we would be united as one, just as God the Son and God the Father are one, that the Father would be glorified while we are in the world and not of the world. So what I want us to do, especially considering the pressing issues globally, and when we're honest with ourselves, the pressing issues locally, I want us to do exactly what Jesus did. I want us to take a few moments and we are going to intentionally pray and seek God the Father. Something we know from Afghanistan. And now I want you to zoom out. We're not just harping on homeschool, public school anymore. Take a deep breath, okay? If not, you're going to miss what God has in store for the rest of today. Because when we go to prayer... We're given the opportunity to depend upon the Lord. We give him opportunity to breathe life into things. Coming out of Afghanistan, yes, we want people to be delivered out safely. Yes, we want that situation to get better for the sake of humanity, for the sake of religious liberties, all religions, because an attack on religious liberties is an attack on ours for sure. We want uh, missionaries to be safe. We want God to provide for them. But if you look at all the the videos and all the messages coming across from the missionaries and the followers of Jesus in the Middle East right now, their number one request is not physical provision. Their number one prayer request is that we would pray that somehow this would be used as an opportunity of them being sent out as light into the world. Even if it's engulfed in flames to their death. And how heavy and pressed I am as a believer when I consider that there in that country of Afghanistan where there is no liberty of religion, there is no equality for women, there is no physical assurances of safety, there is a plethora of followers of Jesus who still respond as Christians first. Because when I see that faithfulness of theirs following Jesus, I then see all the garbage and the pettiness we get wrapped up in. In the greatest country in all of human history, more freedoms and liberties and opportunities than any other country ever. Yet we as believers in our jobs, in our schools, in our homes, yes, even some of you, God forbid, right here in the household of faith, out of the comforts and conveniences this country has provided by the grace of God, you choose to respond as American first rather than a follower of Jesus based on his word. But Jesus' prayer at the second most pressing event in his earthly life was that we as believers might be united toward glorifying the Father while in the world and not of this world.